this is a done deal. This is the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, and coming to you from Riverside, California, podcasting since 2004, I'm your award-winning OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we're reading through the entire Bible in a year. How are you? Welcome. If this is your first time, I'm glad you found us. If you've been here before, welcome back. What a great day this is. I hope you have your bottle of Vitamita Vegemin with you. <laughs> it tastes like candy. Yes, today is National I Love Lucy Day. On this date in 1951, I Love Lucy, starring Lucille Ball and her husband Desi Arnaz debuted, and television was never the same. Here's a little Webb family trivia for you. The grandparents of my wife, the lovely Lady Leanne, lived about a block away from Desi Arnaz in Long Beach, California. Not long after Leanne and I were married, we went to visit Helen and Lloyd, her grandparents, and Leanne pointed over at an aging, light green apartment complex and said, that's where Desi Arnaz used to live. And then she explained that he lived there after Lucy and Desi divorced. So, happy I Love Lucy Day. Our reading today is Isaiah 34 through 39, and I'm calling the episode, The Self-Made Man. Let's get started. Isaiah chapter 34. Come here and listen, O nations of the earth. Let the world and everything in it hear my words. For the Lord is enraged against the nations. His fury is against all their armies. He will completely destroy them, dooming them to slaughter. Their dead will be left unburied, and the stench of rotting bodies will fill the land. The mountains will flow with their blood. The heavens above will melt away and disappear like a rolled-up scroll. The stars will fall from the sky like withered leaves from a grapevine, or shriveled figs from a fig tree. And when my sword has finished its work in the heavens, it will fall upon Edom, the nation I have marked for destruction. The sword of the Lord is drenched with blood and covered with fat, with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of rams prepared for sacrifice. Yes, the Lord will offer a sacrifice in the city of Basra. He will make a mighty slaughter in Edom. Even men as strong as wild oxen will die, the young men alongside the veterans. The land will be soaked with blood and the soil enriched with fat. For it is the day of the Lord's revenge, the year when Edom will be paid back for all it did to Israel. The streams of Edom will be filled with burning pitch, and the ground will be covered with fire. The judgment on Edom will never end. The smoke of its burning will rise forever. The land will lie deserted from generation to generation. No one will live there anymore. It will be haunted by the desert owl and the screech owl, the great owl and the raven. For God will measure that land carefully. He will measure it for chaos and destruction. It will be called the land of nothing and all its nobles will soon be gone. Thorns will overrun its palaces, nettles and thistles will grow in its forts. The ruins will become a haunt for jackals and a home for owls. Desert animals will mingle there with hyenas, their howls filling the night. Wild goats will bleed at one another among the ruins, and night creatures will come there to rest. There the owl will make her nest and lay her eggs. She will hatch her young and cover them with her wings and the buzzards will come, each one with its mate. Search the book of the Lord and see what he will do. Not one of these birds and animals will be missing, and none will lack a mate, for the Lord has promised this. His Spirit will make it all come true. He has surveyed and divided the land and deeded it over to those creatures. They will possess it forever, 
from generation to generation. Isaiah chapter 35 Even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display His glory, the splendor of our God. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when He comes, He will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground will become a pool, and springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh grass and reeds and rushes will flourish where desert jackals once lived, and a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named the Highway of Holiness. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. It will be only for those who walk in God's ways. Fools will never walk there. Lions will not lurk along its course, nor any other ferocious beasts. There will be no other dangers. Only the redeemed will walk on it. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem, singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. Isaiah chapter 36 in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. Then the king of Assyria sent his field commander with a large army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. When the commander stopped at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field, Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the recorder, went out to him. The field commander said to them, Tell Hezekiah, This is what the great king, the king of Assyria, says. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have counsel and might for war, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Look, I know you're depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff, which pierces the hand of anyone who leans on it. Such is Pharaoh king of Egypt to all who depend on him. But if you say to me, We are depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, You must worship before this altar? Come now, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you two thousand horses, if you can put riders on them. How can you repulse one officer of the least of my master's officials, even though you are depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Furthermore, have I come to attack and destroy this land without the Lord? The Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. Then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah said to the field commander, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, since we understand it. Don't speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people on the wall. But the commander replied, Was it only to your master and you that my master sent me to say these things, and not to the people sitting on the wall, who, like you, will have to eat their own excrement and drink their own urine? Then the commander stood and called out in Hebrew, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says, 
Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then each of you will eat fruit from your own vine and fig tree and drink water from your own cistern until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Do not let Hezekiah mislead you when he says, The Lord will deliver us. Have the gods of any nations ever delivered their lands from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? Have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who of all the gods of these countries have ever been able to save their lands from me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? But the people remained silent and said nothing in reply, because the king had commanded, Do not answer him. Then Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the recorder, went to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him what the field commander had said. Isaiah chapter 37 When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and went into the temple of the Lord. He sent Eliakim, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and the leading priests, all wearing sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. They told him, This is what Hezekiah says, This day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace, as when children come to the moment of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. It may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the field commander, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to ridicule the living God, and that he will rebuke him for the words the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, pray for the remnant that still survives. When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Tell your master, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you have heard, those words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Listen, when he hears a certain report, I will make him want to return to his own country, and there I will have him cut down with the sword. When the field commander heard that the king of Assyria had left Lachish, he withdrew and found the king fighting against Libna. Now Sennacherib received a report that Terheka, the king of Cush, was marching out to fight against him. When he heard it, he sent messengers to Hezekiah with this word, Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, Do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely? And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them, the gods of Gozan, Haran, Rezif, and the people of Eden who were in Tel Azar? Where is the king of Hamath or the king of Arpad? Where are the kings of Lair, Sepharvaim, Hena, and Iva? Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to all the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste all these peoples and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods but only wood and stone, fashioned by human hands. 
Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are the only God. Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is the word the Lord has spoken against him. Virgin daughter Zion despises and mocks you. Daughter Jerusalem tosses her head as you flee. Who is it you have ridiculed and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? Against the Holy One of Israel. By your messengers you have ridiculed the Lord. And you have said, With my many chariots I have ascended the heights of the mountains, the utmost heights of Lebanon. I have cut down its tallest cedars, the choicest of its junipers. I have reached its remotest heights, the finest of its forests. I have dug wells in foreign lands and drunk the water there. With the soles of my feet I have dried up all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard? Long ago I ordained it. In days of old I planned it. Now I have brought it to pass, that you have turned fortified cities into piles of stone. Their people, drained of power, are dismayed and put to shame. They are like plants in the field, like tender green shoots, like grass sprouting on the roof, scorched before it grows up. But I know where you are, and when you come and go, and how you rage against me. Because you rage against me, and because your insolence has reached my ears, I will put a hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will make you return by the way you came. This will be the sign for you, Hezekiah. This year you will eat what grows by itself, and the second year what springs from that. But in the third year sow and reap, plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Once more a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. Then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death a hundred and eighty-five thousand in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. One day, while he was worshipping in the temple of his god Nisroch, his sons Adramelech and Sherezer killed him with the sword, and they escaped to the land of Ararat. And Ezarhaddon his son succeeded him as king. Isaiah chapter 38 About this time Hezekiah got sick and was almost dead. So I went in and told him, The Lord says you won't ever get well, you're going to die, and so you had better start doing what needs to be done. Hezekiah turned toward the wall and prayed, Don't forget that I've been faithful to you, Lord. I've obeyed you with all my heart, and I do whatever you say is right. After this he cried hard. Then the Lord sent me with this message for Hezekiah. I am the Lord God, who was worshipped by your ancestor David. I heard you pray, and I saw you cry. I will let you live fifteen more years while I protect you and your city from the king of Assyria. 
Now I will prove to you that I will keep my promise. Do you see the shadow made by the setting sun on the stairway built for King Ahaz? I will make the shadow go back ten steps. Then the shadow went back ten steps. This is what Hezekiah wrote after he got well. I thought I would die during my best years and stay as a prisoner forever in the world of the dead. I thought I would never again see you, my Lord, or any of the people who live on this earth. My life was taken from me like the tent that a shepherd pulls up and moves. You cut me off like thread from a weaver's loom. You made a wreck of me day and night. Until morning came, I thought you would crush my bones just like a hungry lion. Both day and night you make a wreck of me. I cry like a swallow. I mourn like a dove. My eyes are red from looking to you, Lord. I am in terrible trouble. Please come and help me. There is nothing I can say in answer to you, since you are the one who has done this to me. My life has turned sour. I will limp until I die. Your words and your deeds bring life to everyone, including me. Please make me healthy and strong again. It was for my own good that I had such hard times. But your love protected me from doom in the deep pit, and you turned your eyes away from my sins. No one in the world of the dead can thank you or praise you. None of those in the deep pit can hope for you to show them how faithful you are. Only the living can thank you, as I am doing today. Each generation tells the next about your faithfulness. You, Lord, will save me, and every day that we live, we will sing in your temple to the music of stringed instruments. I had told King Hezekiah's servants to put some mashed figs on the king's open sore, and he would get well. Then Hezekiah asked for proof that he would again worship in the Lord's temple. Isaiah chapter 39 Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, was now king of Babylonia, and when he learned that Hezekiah was well, he sent messengers with letters and a gift for him. Hezekiah welcomed the messengers and showed them all the silver, the gold, the spices, and the fine oils that were in his storehouse. He even showed them where he kept his weapons. Nothing in his palace or in his entire kingdom was kept hidden from them. I asked Hezekiah, Where did these men come from? What did they want? They came all the way from Babylonia, Hezekiah answered. What did you show them? I asked. Hezekiah answered, I showed them everything in my kingdom. Then I told Hezekiah, I have a message for you from the Lord All-Powerful. One day everything you and your ancestors have stored up will be taken to Babylonia. The Lord has promised that nothing will be left. Some of your own sons will be taken to Babylonia, where they will be disgraced and made to serve in the king's palace. Hezekiah thought, at least our nation will be at peace for a while. So he told me, the message you brought from the Lord is good. Well, today I've got uh, thoughts on Isaiah 37 and 38. You know that there's no such thing as a self-made man, right? Whatever heights a person ascends to, God enabled. Nothing comes into our lives but that He either allows them or causes them. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God causes every calamity that happens to people. We live in a world cursed by the effects of sin. But when an apparently evil person accumulates great wealth or power, it is because God allowed it. He'd be a pretty weak God if that were not so. Now, in the case of Sennacherib, who boasted that he had routed every other king, God said, Have you not heard? Long ago I ordained it. In days of old I planned it. Now I have brought it to pass that you have turned fortified cities into piles of stone. Sometimes those who seem to have the most power really have the least. 
This Assyrian king thought there was no one on earth who could stop him. He thought he was in control of all he touched. But in reality, he was God's pawn. As we look at the people clamoring for wealth and power around us, let us remember that God has a plan, and he uses the proud and arrogant to bring it about. It's up to those of us in the trenches to do as Hezekiah did and pray to God, acknowledging him for who he is. Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. And when the world attacks us, let us remember what God said to Sennacherib. Who is it you've ridiculed and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? Against the Holy One of Israel. By your messengers you have ridiculed the Lord. You see, it's not you and me they attack. It's God, and He will deal with them justly. Now, chapter 38. I'm so happy that God saw fit to include the contents of chapter 38 in the Bible. Here is this good king Hezekiah, whom God had given a victory over the proud and arrogant king Sennacherib. He's in the prime of a well-lived life, and he falls deathly sick. And the Lord sent Isaiah to tell Hezekiah that he would not get well. Now, I don't know about you, but if a prophet came to me with that message, I'd probably just resign myself to preparing to meet God. I mean, come on. God sends a prophet to tell me that I'm not going to recover? I'm sure I'm just going to figure that this is a done deal. But not Hezekiah. He rolls over in his deathbed to face the wall, and he begins to pray. Without any boasting, without trying to bargain with God, he just says, Don't forget that I've been faithful to you, Lord. I've obeyed you with all my heart, and I do whatever you say is right. And then he just sobbed. And what did God do? He tells Hezekiah that he'll give him another 15 years to live, and during that time he'll protect him and Jerusalem from the Assyrians. Beloved, here's a perfect example of one reason that living your life for God is a good thing. We can pray, and God will listen. It's not that we gain points with God so that we can manipulate or bargain with Him, but when He sees that we've been faithful to keep our heart pure through the blood of Christ, He hears our prayers when we cry out to Him. Of course, He may not see fit to give us healing like He did Hezekiah, but He will hear us. This account of Hezekiah's sickness, prayer, and healing is in the Bible for a reason, beloved. God wants us to know that we can approach His throne with confidence, knowing that He hears us. That's important because the gods of false religions don't make any promise of a love relationship. Our God wants us to know that He cares about us, not as a group, but as individuals. He knows your name. He formed you in your mother's womb. He knows everything about you. He knows your joys. He knows your sorrows. He loves you. I'd love to hear what you think. Agree? Disagree? Thoughts? Questions? Go to comment.lifespringmedia.com or email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com or leave a comment on the show notes page for this episode. I'll read some of your comments on the show. Tomorrow's reading is Matthew 17 through 19. I'm calling the episode, Who's On First? Boost! Boost Gray. Your attention, please. I have to make a correction. <laughs> I try very hard to get things right on the show, and 
When I make a mistake, I'm compelled to fess up and admit my mistakes as soon as I become aware of them. So here goes. This past Tuesday morning at 0635, I received the following boostagram. I'd love to hear more about how you got started in podcasting. Thank you for everything you're doing. God bless you, Steve. And this person sent a thousand sats using Podfriend. You remember me talking about that. And then at 0652, just 17 minutes later, I received this one. To those who are wicked, you show yourself hostile. Clear. 500 sats sent using Fountain, and that was from Sean. That boostogram was about one of the verses in the Psalms that we had read the day before. So, since those boostograms came in just 17 minutes apart, and because it was way before I finished my morning half pot of coffee, I didn't notice that the first boostogram did not, in fact, have a name on it. I saw Sean's name on the second, and I'm embarrassed to say I assumed the first boostogram was also from him. But it wasn't. And since it wasn't, I got this boostogram from Sean this morning. He said, that's a different Sean, with a laughing emoji. And he said, I would also like to hear those stories, though. And he sent a thousand sats using the Fountain app. So, henceforth, he asked to be known as Sean of San Pedro, to eliminate any confusion in the future. But uh, anyway, Sean, thank you. Sorry, Sean of San Pedro, thank you for straightening me out and for the boostergram. Much appreciated, and your vote is duly noted. Now, to whomever sent the first boostergram, thank you. I'm sorry that Podfriend did not send your name to me, but thank you for your vote to have me talk about the early days. Next time you send a boostergram, it'd be great to have your name, by the way. So, there's two votes for my spending a few minutes on the show to talk a bit about the early days of podcasting. And in case you missed it yesterday, I mentioned that November 13th will be the 17th anniversary of my publishing the first episode of the LifeSpring podcast, which was the very first Christian podcast. Now, let me know what you think. Do you want me to talk about it or no? It's your guy's call. Uh, If anything, I'll spend maybe five or ten minutes uh, and no more. So anyway, I have made the correction. It was not Sean of San Pedro. It was, at this point, we'll call this person anonymous. So that was fun. Now, remember to support the show with time, talent, or treasure. You can get more details about how you can do that at support.lifespringmedia.com. There are several methods to give there besides Boostagrams. Uh, You can give via PayPal, Venmo, Zelle, Bitcoin. But probably the easiest and fastest way to send a donation is by texting 182-921 to 1-855-575-7888. It's slick. And all fun aside, um, it, it really is necessary to have your support. Uh, doing a podcast seven days a week for what will end up being about uh, 360 or so days in a row, Lord willing, uh, takes quite a bit of effort. And if you find value in that, I would appreciate it if you would return some of that value in the form of either time, talent, or treasure. It encourages me. It helps me to pay some bills around here. And uh, it can be costly to do podcasting, not to mention the time, but actual monetary resources are required on my part. I have to pay for storage, I have to pay for bandwidth, I have to pay for software licenses, and on and on it goes. So please do what you can do to help support the show. And whether you stream or boost sats or text or use any of the other seven different ways to donate, please know that when you give, you're helping to spread the good news to a world that needs it. God bless you. This day in church history, October 14th, 1886, 
On the 22nd anniversary of the death of his wife Isabella, Scottish clergyman and biographer Andrew Bonar reflects in his diary, I've learned that the Lord can fill the soul with himself when he takes away what seemed indispensable to our happiness on earth. And yes, that is a good lesson to learn. Thank the Lord I have not had to learn that lesson about the loss of a wife like Andrew Bonar did. And Leanne and I have a, uh, an agreement. We're both going to go at the same time, so neither one of us will have to live without the other. We just have to convince the Lord of that. <laughs> yeah, On this day in church history, 1932, Gladys Aylward sails from Liverpool, England, for Asia in an effort to bring the gospel to China. In 1958, her biography, The Small Woman, was made into an award-winning film, Inn of the Sixth Happiness, starring Ingrid Bergman. Prayer requests. Actually, I've got praises today. I'm recording this on Thursday evening, and today is the day I went up to the Lake Arrowhead area to help Dell with some of his home repairs. Thank you for your prayers. We got the repairs done quickly and efficiently, and nobody was injured. Nobody fell off of a ladder or anything like that. So, yay. Thank you. And while I was there, he told me that Kathy is doing much better. Remember, I mentioned that she's been suffering some depression. Well, it seems that the depression was related to her backing off too quickly on her pain medications. Because of the radiation treatments for her cancer, she was taking some very strong medications, uh, pain medications. And over the weekend, they cut back on them too drastically because of some of the side effects that she was having. Well, turns out they cut back too much and too quickly, which can cause the depression. Now that they know that, they've adjusted her dosage and she's back to her usual sweet, sunny self. And isn't that a miracle? That that truly is her normal disposition, given her years of dealing with multiple sclerosis and cancer. It truly is. Uh, The woman, uh, I'm not a Catholic, but... (laughs) Like the Catholics say, the woman is a saint. She truly is. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you for your word. You didn't leave us on earth without a way for us to know you, to understand that you are a God who loves us. Thank you, Lord, for helping Dell and I get the work done today without a hitch. Thank you that you've kept my body well enough to do things like this despite the years. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to help my friend Dell. And thank you for giving Kathy's doctor the answer to her depression and that she's feeling better about life. I ask that you continue the healing in her body. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, if you've got something that you'd like us to pray about, uh, there's a form that you can fill out at prayer.lifespringmedia.com. You can give me as much or as little detail as you uh, feel comfortable doing. Uh, You'll tell me your name on the form, but you can also ask me to keep you anonymous on the show. But it's good for us to pray together. That website again is prayer.lifespringmedia.com. And by the way, uh, if you've not been to lifespringmedia.com, I've got uh, close to 2,500 episodes of podcasts up there. I don't only do, well, I do now only do the Lifespring Family Audio Bible, but I've done many other shows in the past. So uh, they're all there, they're all free, and uh, they're pretty much all, um, what do they call them, evergreen. It's not uh, related to a certain uh, date or time. 
Most everything that I've done in the past can be listened to today or 10 years ago or 17 years ago, and hopefully it's still useful. I've got interviews up there. I've got a music show. I've got a show about hymns. I've got a show about, as we mentioned the other day, uh, in touch with God's character, talking about the names of God, and several other things. So uh, go check it out at lifespringmedia.com. You can comment on the show at comment.lifespringmedia.com or email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com or comment on the show notes page for this episode. I read every comment. I'll share some of them on the show, and I do want to hear from you. So until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thanks for being here. I'm Steve Webb. Bye. Bye.